Hey guys, it's Lauren. And uh, before we get started, we wanted to say we forgot to mention it in the episode, but we did a really fun guest appearance on the podcast Exvangelical, hosted by Bleak Chastain. Uh, So if you want to hear more about our religious backgrounds and our upbringings that you don't get to hear on this podcast, uh, you can find it on iTunes. Again, it's Exvangelical, hosted by Blake Chastain. And now on to Sunday School Dropouts! Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. All right. Uh, I'm the ex-Christian, just so you know. I was raised Presbyterian. I used to teach Sunday school. I used to sing in the worship band, the whole Megillah, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Uh, Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it is not suitable for children. And it just pretty much always, well, it always has cussing, but like, that's fine. You know, like, if you don't like cussing, fuck you. But it also usually has some like discussion of misogynistic topics, um, usually some racism. Mm -hmm. That's all just. Not from us. (laughs) Well, hopefully. hopefully, uh, That's just in the Bible. That's just a fundamental part of the Bible. Well, today we are talking about. The Book of Malachi. That's right. Malachi. It's my good friend. Do you remember? I'm going to spring this on you out of nowhere. Okay. Spring me, baby. So listeners should know that Nico and I uh, met in high school and we became kind of friends senior year in a creative writing class. This all checks out. And there was... One time, like, okay, so in in the class, you would have to kind of like swap, you know, with someone, uh, your work, you know, and like, whatever, leave comments on each other's work. Okay. And um, you sat directly behind me. Mm -hmm. And so one time we swapped our work with each other, (laughs) if you know what I'm saying. And I had a character in my story named Malachi. Mm -hmm. And you went, Malachi? What kind of a name is Malachi? <laughs> that sounds like me. Sounds like you because, well, it sounds like us because I was like obsessed with the Bible mm-hmm. <laughs> and you were like, what the fuck's the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of this name. Yeah, I was a, I was a curious mind. You know, I was always asking questions. So Malachi is the last minor Prophet! We did it all 12 in the bag, baby. And it is the last book of the Old Testament, although we're going to do a few Apocrypha, so mm-hmm. it's not our last book. But in the in the Protestant Bible, it is the last book. And um, the name means either my messenger okay. or it might be uh, short for like messenger of God, like. Right, right. Um, but like same deal. So it, it means messenger and it might not be his actual given name. It might be like a title. Okay. Which makes sense because I read that there's no historical information about this fellow. Right. Yeah. I read that too. And in fact, 
this work is attributed to various different people depending on who you different who you different ask. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. If you different ask my Bible, it's just Malachi. So give me some info. Uh, from the always gossipy Jewish Encyclopedia of 1916, uh-huh. which is happy to throw out wild claims from rabbinical history. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Malachi is identified with Mordecai in some writings and with Ezra in others. Mordecai, like Esther's uncle? That's right. Or cousin or mm-hmm. whatever? Okay. Jerome. Uh, no, Jerome. I'm sorry. Not Jerome. That's just uh, that's the name of one of these rabbis. Jerome, in his preface to the commentary on Malachi, mentions that in his day, the belief was current that Malachi was identical with Ezra. I mean, that would not be um, beyond the pale because this is taking place in the same era where just after the Babylonian exile, the Jews have just been allowed to return to Judah mm-hmm. under Persian rule. And so this is around 500 BC, and it's like the same uh, period of time as the last two books we did, which are Haggai and Zechariah, mm-hmm. as well as Ezra and Nehemiah, which we did a long time ago because the order of the Bible makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, well, it makes sense to me. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you want to explain it to me then? Well, first, they took some books, uh-huh. and then they mixed them all up, uh-huh. and then... Printed it. <laughs> Cut and print. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we don't need to go in the whole friggin Babylonian friggin exile. No, thing we're good. Again, I think we? we're, I think everybody's comfortable with the Babylonian exile. Okay. And if you are not, if you're not comfortable with it, I just want to say if you're not comfortable with the Babylonian exile. You should go out and check out one of our many other episodes. <laughs> like all of them. Because we talk about it improbably. 60 percent of, of the, the ones episodes. that we've done so far mm-hmm. yeah um but there are a few things to keep in mind oh i hate keeping things in my mind historically speaking my mind is so full of garbage already so, <laughs> number one is the thing that we learned from our guest rob casho last episode mm. um which is that like it was actually probably a small amount of jews who were exiled and most of them stayed behind. Right. So most of them were left behind. <laughs> Starring Kirk Cameron. Um but so their religious practices and their culture would have kind of diverged. Yeah. Um, because you know, the, the exile was sixty six years. And so then when the exilees are coming back, they're sort of imposing a new, different version of this religion and culture on the people who stayed and whose lives have been continuous and were just going along with their shit mm-hmm. and didn't ask to have everything all fucked up again, you know? <laughs> Nobody asks to have everything all fucked up again. Um, the other thing to remember is the stuff that happens in the book of the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Right. So in Ezra, it's like he rebuilds the temple. Mm-hmm. Well, sort of. Some folks rebuild the temple. They start to, whatever. Um, and also they expel all the wives and children of Jewish men who have married non-Jewish women. Yeah, that was messed up. Because they're racially impure. Mm-hmm. And then in Nehemiah, he comes in and they start rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm preemptively apologizing for the political detour that I'm about to make. But we are recording this episode shortly after the inauguration of the Cheeto Goblin. Who shall not be named. And the sermon that he attended before his inauguration was given by this this guy, Robert Jeffress, 
and it was about oh he uh, he good Christ dude <laughs> uh he bad Christ dude he, he talk him good God mm, he talk him bad God oh. the sermon was actually literally about Nehemiah and how the Bible says it's good to build walls to keep out foreigners mm. um so I don't know that might come up in this episode because that's like the shit that we're dealing with and that's how this like material is being applied today it's being applied literally to be like racist and xenophobic and hateful mm. so and i for, i forgive you for your detour uh-huh. because this podcast is about our personal journey through this book oh detours included detours included is the name of my memoir <laughs> sometimes you got to do like the little slingshot you know like you start you like you take the exit in my time we called it the beer whip oh the beer whip because mm-hmm. you go like beer whip. that's right yeah and some people might think you're an asshole, but you, just you are, you, I, <laughs> but you go faster. That's right. Um, do you have any other uh, fast facts to uh, tell us about Malachi slash Malachi? I did want to share one final uh, bit from the Jewish Encyclopedia, which gave this book a hearty burn. Even, oh, my God. It just in the in its description of it. OK, which is. The style of the book is more prosaic than that of any of the other prophetical books. The parallelism met with in the others is here less pronounced, and the imagery often lacks force and beauty. That's true. Honestly, that's true. There's, it's, it's true, but it's it's. I like, like so I like many that of, they just burned the book right in the intro. So many of these minor prophets, we've been like, well, like whatever, but it, like it had some good lines of poetry. Mm-hmm. This one does not have those. Well, don't sell the book short yet. Okay. We haven't gotten to our rating yet, but but let's let's get started. Um, which chapter should we start with? Do you think like chapter like one? You know what? I would love to go crazy and start with like chapter six. There is no chapter six because well, this is another then. one of these I'm going home. tiny little minor prophets that's like two pages long and pointless and boring. Okay. Okay. So let's do chapter one. You got it. Uh, Apparently, Israel is preferred to Edom. Yeah. Oh, is that what yours is titled? <laughs> Mine is called uh, Jacob Loved Esau hated. <laughs> it's a little catchier. It is. Lord says, Lord, my buddy Lord. You know <laughs> the, the singer? The singer. Yeah, from New Zealand. Oh my God. She's so great. And she's like wise beyond her years. Like I just hope that she, it's the thing I struggle with with her is like I hope she's equipped to handle fame because she got famous so early. Yeah. But like, like, no, she is. She's handling it. That's why it's like remarkable. But people that get famous early have such a bad track record in like keeping a, like having a stable life. What about Joseph Gordon Levitt? He seems okay, but I'm sure he's struggled. I don't think he struggled. What well, about Anna Klumski? He's a he's a good song and dance man. Anna Klumski, I uh, didn't. Wasn't there a long period when she did not act? Yes, and she's actually struggled a lot. <laughs> but she's great in Veep. She is. She is. So I guess you've assuaged all of my fears. Um, so the Lord says, uh-huh. "I have loved you, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother?" Says the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob. But I have hated Esau. I have made his hill country a desolation and his heritage a desert for jackals. Yes. So this highlights... uh, They will always be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. So this highlights one of the things that I think is mildly interesting about Malachi. Okay. Which is the... The uh, pointless ethnic hatred? <laughs> no. Based on some... Obscure tradition, vaguely justified after the fact by scripture? No, I was going to say the structure of the rhetoric. Oh. 
tell me more. According to the Jewish Encyclopedia, and also based on what I read mm-hmm. in the Bible, like the words of it, it's got an interesting structure. It asks for a refutable, a refutable question or mm-hmm. an irrefutable question, and then provides an answer. Okay. Uh, which is, apparently was a popular uh, rabbinical uh, style. rhetorical technique. Mm-hmm. Is that begging the question? I'm not a hundred. I'm going to confess something to you right now. And we're in the confession corner right now. Do you mind? Would you be a whip over to the confession corner with oh, me? Oh yeah, uh, be a whip. So, I'm not 100 percent sure what begging the question means. Um, I'm not sure either. I know it's like a formal debate term, right. and that people, whenever they use it, they use it incorrectly. That's the only thing I know about is that you use it wrong. And then so I'm like, I can never use it because I'm pretty sure I'm going to use it wrong. You no, it's true. You should never use it. No one should ever use it unless they're in like debate or they're talking about rhetoric. Okay. Just say raises the question instead. Okay. This I have to correct this in like thirty five percent of documents that I copy edit. Okay. Okay. Are we ready to go back to regular? Let's corner? go back to regular. Okay. Boo it. So that's one thing I like to highlight about the book that I found mildly interesting. When it lays out the points, God is like a sort of a a, a lawyer investigator style. You know. Oh, you you always like that when that happens. I don't know why. It uh, makes it more interesting for me. You don't have any lawyerly aspirations, though. Lawyerly aspirations? Yeah. Um, you haven't spread your lawyerly wings <laughs> yet. That's true. I have no aspirations to be a lawyer. Although my mom did give me an LSAT uh, test prep book I for Christmas. Was, I believe it was the LSAT for idiots. For dummies. <laughs> dummies, yes. If you want to borrow that. Um, so then, then there's a, a lecture, oh, there's a lecture about not bringing injured, crippled, or diseased animals. I think this, so this doesn't square with my understanding of where we're at with God at this point in history, right? Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? It's kind of a throwback. Um, cause like. <laughs> throwback Tuesday. Throwback yeah, it's Thursday? like hashtag TPT, yes, it's Thursday. Um, to like. How would you ever know it? There are two days with, with T in them. You know. Hmm. It should be throwback. It should be TBTH. That would be like to be too honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, like because there has been like less less emphasis on sacrifices. Much less. Uh, and in fact, there was even some sort of like some of the prophets said. Some of these minor prophets. Yeah, even, they were like, been like sacrificing is great. But just to be clear. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is living a just life and. Like not oppressing the poor, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this one, uh, not not accepting of the injured, crippled, or diseased animals, which does seem a little, it also seems a little discriminatory. I don't know. I think it, considering what we know, it feels m- metaphorical to me. Yeah, but that's like why it's offensive, right? <laughs> I guess so. It's like, why are you, like, people are diseased, crippled, and injured all the time. <laughs> Especially back then. Well, but I mean, these are these are animals. I know, but it's like metaphorical, right? But isn't so the metaphor like, isn't the metaphor of like offering a a crippled or blind animal in sacrifice is like half-assing it? For yeah, God? but like, why does like being crippled and blind have to mean half-assing it? Uh, I, I assume it's just referring to to previous law. I just think it's a little discriminatory. That's all. I guess so. I think it's a little creepy. That's just whatever. I mean, it's the Bible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Mm. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, chapter two, Malachi uh, relays some messages from God 
about how the Levites or the priestly class mm-hmm. need to shape up or, quote, I will spread on your faces the offal from your festival sacrifices and you will be carried off with it. That's rough. That's, That's a rough, rough curse. Rubbing someone's face in in entrails. And the lack of poetry there. This is this is a plain speaking God <laughs> in is, Malachi. This is like actually the strongest like image in the entire book. And and honestly, like a strong image for for any Bible book, really. Like mm-hmm. it I think it competes with some of the strongest images. But not for not necessarily through the power of the poetry, but just the disgusting and, and rudeness yeah, of it. But I mean, I think, it's very rude of him to spread <laughs> awful in our faces. But I think that's like that's poetic in a way. Mm-hmm. Just my two cents. I mean, like I have a master's in creative writing and shit. So like, well, maybe on the on the maybe one of the coastal elites thinks that's good poetry. <laughs> it's not my kind of poetry. Baby, if God said it, I believe it. But the real problem, as established in chapter two, is of course, quote, Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel yes. and in Jerusalem, for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves. And has married the daughter of a foreign god. Yeah, so it's like very self-contradictory because it starts by saying, okay, the direct quote is, have we not all one father? Did not one god create us? Mm -hmm. And then it immediately says like, so why are we betraying our god by marrying foreign women? So it's like, well, we didn't all have one father. Right. (laughs) We know who we're talking all about. All was not when I, meant, when I said all of us, universal. you know I meant yeah. like, just all of us. Yeah, all of us. But then also, the very next bit is like that God won't pay attention to your prayers if you get divorced because he hates divorce. In fact, the direct quote is, I hate divorce, <laughs> says the Lord God of Israel, <laughs> which I love because he just sounds like a petulant child. Mm-hmm. Like... I hate divorce. Yeah, like um, in Love Actually when the kids are like, I hate Uncle Jamie. He's <laughs> like, I hate divorce. There you go. Um, So I guess like if you're married to a foreign woman, you're just screwed because like you can't get divorced. Well, you just got to hope Ezra comes back to town and kicks your wife out of I town. I guess so. Then you're free forever, boy. Uh, and also your kid gets kicked out too. I don't want to pay that invented, child support. They hadn't alimony at this you point, know what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> I don't know what that voice was. So I was don't like... either. But please retire it. <laughs> Can we hold a tiny funeral for that voice it's right like now? My divorced men's rights activist Muppet voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, that voice died on the way to its home planet. It'll never be heard again. <laughs> All right. Chapter three. Now we're getting into the apocalyptic stuff, uh, Day of Judgment. Uh, this one's got this one's got a messenger in it, though. Who this? Who's this messenger? I don't know. I don't know either. I'm asking you seriously. Oh, well, I think it's Malachi. It says because that he's my messenger, literally. But he's so he's telling a his book is named for himself. Well, like the and book it, is named after the title of the guy eh. doing the book, mm. possibly. Got it. Because God says, see, I am sending my messenger, which I guess is Malachi. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the literal translation. Yes. yes. To prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? 
for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Yes. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Yes, so there's actually a worship song that we sang a lot in the worship band. He's like a refiner's fire? It's called Refiner's Fire. Nice. That's not that's not a bad conjunction of words. Well, conjunction? Yeah. I know all the good terms. Uh, <laughs> word and talk up. And say the good stuff. Mm-hmm. English ways. Um, And it's like, purify my heart. Let me be as gold or precious silver. And just looking back on it, it's like, no fucking wonder that I have OCD. <laughs> Everything was just like about purifying and laundering and refining. And I'm really like, it turns out that this verse isn't even about purifying your heart. It's about purifying the priestly class, mm-hmm. like through rituals. Right. So like it applies to like a specific moment of cultural and political upheaval. And why did I have to get OCD about it? <laughs> you know, like why why did I have to suffer my entire life from a stupid disease? <laughs> so if you're singing that song every week, doesn't it sort of assume that your heart is like unrefined or dirty in some way? Yeah. Yes. That's the constant state of humans, according to Christianity. An unrefined heart? Yeah. Should go back to uncircumcised heart. Mm-hmm. It was a little cooler. Yeah. And at least you only have to do one thing to fix that. Yeah, just... The refining process could take forever, but <laughs> yeah, circumcisions are generally over pretty quickly. That's <laughs> yeah, true. You know when it's over. <laughs> you generally do, unless you're, you forgot your glasses that morning. I, uh, I also like the line... You have wearied the Lord with your words. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've wearied the Lord with your words, huh? Well, Suddenly, the Lord has infinite patience. Mr. Talky Talk is so tired. I have had to read 12 fucking minor prophets and I'm just a mortal human. Baby, I'm right there with you. <sighs> when who can who can sympathize when God complains? Well, God complains a lot in this book. He does. Because the whole next section is like he accuses everyone of robbing him because they don't tithe enough and shit. Will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And thus put me to the test, says the Lords of hosts. What? I don't know. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. I will rebuke the locust for you so that it will not destroy the produce of your soil and your vine in the field shall not be barren. I don't know what any of that means, but I do know that Rob God Mm -hmm. is Rob Zombie's new name now that he's doing reggae music. (laughs) I guess it would be Rob Jaw. It would be Rob Lion. (laughs) Rob Lion. But great attempt on the joke. (laughs) That passage basically says God is like, you are shorting me on the tithes. I know. And I'm pissed about it because you're taking money out of my pocket. But then mm-hmm. he says, so you need to give full tithes. And then once you give full tithes, I'm going to make everything flow for you. Mm-hmm. Like rain, vines. Insect life. Everything is growing. Pests are staying away. And I'm just confused about the economy of that. If it, Why does it matter so much to him that the tithe is right on? If he has the infinite power to distribute whatever he wants. Well, it's like 
Is the it a government, sign of respect? Well, it's like the government is this about respect? can print as much money as it wants, but it'll lead to inflation. You know? Oh, you think he's worried about food inflation? Yeah, maybe. That- or like uh, prayer inflation or something. I don't know. Maybe like people's prayers will be worthless if they, uh, if he just like gives Provides them crops everything. for free. Yeah. It makes total sense. Uh, rising tide lifts all boats. Jump up, trickle down. Moving on. Chapter four. You know what the problem is? What? It's the problem that all these writers had to work with the with the same character, God. God. <laughs> and there's no like, there needs to be a God Bible. Oh, okay. Like a series Bible for yes. a TV show. Yes. There needs to be a Bible for God. Okay. So that everybody... They need to have a pre-Bible to write the Bible. Yes. So that they know... Like what this character is all about. Uh-huh, what his motivations are, yeah. his, his desires, his fears. Yeah. So that, that that he can respond realistically to situations. I see. I see. He does. He is consistent in that he uh, really hates idols. That's. But sometimes he's very detail oriented and sometimes he's only big picture. Yeah. And he hates the details. Yeah. Sometimes he's very personally invested in a person's situation. Sometimes. Like Job. He's. He's just a, a greater force. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he's physically present. Sometimes he's omnipresent. Omnipresent. Diffuse. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes he lives in a tent. Sometimes yeah. he lives in a big building. Sometimes he lives everywhere. Yeah. And he scoffs at the idea of living in one place. Yeah. That one time he got captured by another country. Oh, yeah. The fuck? But he knocked a statue off or whatever. What was that plot line? <laughs> Anyway, that's what I'm like, saying. They that was a, like they season a, one, you know, like sometimes they're doing, you know, they probably sweeps or something. They, had they to haven't ironed out all thing. this stuff yeah. in season one. And like, you know, you can't always consider season one like full 100 percent canon. I'm just saying they needed to nail down the Bible of of God uh-huh. early. I'm not sure what you would call that. Like a God Bible. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just really like the idea that they need a Bible to write the Bible. They do. They need a series Bible for the Bible. Um, so chapter four, we're getting the, the classic day of the Lord, judgment day. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble and that day that is coming will set them on fire. So the evil will be stubble mm-hmm. and the tool in question is an oven. A furnace. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an oven in mine. Okay. So you just stick your face in there with the full length of beard and then you pull it out at exactly the right time and you got a, you got like a handsome man stubble thing going. Yeah, that's what, did, that's what they did in the uh, book of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did those guys come out looking good? Mm-hmm. And like, great. And like hairless on front, right? Um, well, you Smooth, know. Smooth, right? Not not 100%, but like, you know, like mostly, but just like a tasteful like mm-hmm. splash of hair, you know? Just so that you acknowledge, you're like, I know like, it's a pain yeah. And so I'm like, cool. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Nobody wants to be like all the way smooth. Yeah. Because then it's like, it shows too much effort, right? Mm-hmm. You, you got to pretend like it happened naturally. And effort smacks of caring. <laughs> That's true. They do say that about effort. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, the Messiah figure in these verses is Elijah? I had questions about this. Yeah. So, so it says in like. In chapter three, they lay out the messenger is coming and that the messenger will, you know, detail all the all the rules and everything like that, which is that that's not referring to this document. I'm 
not sure. I'm not sure, honestly. Uh, it's just I mean, a book about the messenger who will come and will do some stuff. I'm not sure. But then it also, like late, later on, like you said, in a single sentence, semi-throwaway kind of thing, says that before the day of judgment, Elijah will show up. Yeah, well, it says, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And that's the end. That's the last sentence of the book. It's the last sentence of the Protestant Bible, not the Jewish Bible because it's in yeah. a different order. That probably makes more sense. But uh, if you're reading the Protestant Bible, that's it. Like that's for the Old Testament. Yeah, that, that's the end. Elijah will come and fix everything. You know that I don't like spoilies. Okay. But in the Jesus story, uh-huh. does Elijah show up? No. However, my Bible did have some footnotes for this verse. Okay. That said... Um, that shoehorned Elijah into the Jesus narrative? Uh, yes. Okay. So uh, John the Baptist... Of course. Um, it's, Could be reincarnated? No, well, it's... No, that would go against the Jewish and Christian religions. Who wouldn't want a fresh carne, though? But <laughs> a fresh carne? <laughs> Um, I may have misunderstood. That's I'm a vegetarian, baby. Don't bring that carne over here. I don't care how fresca it is. <laughs> Molto. <right? laughs> um, I guess there's a verse, uh, I, and I guess we'll find out in the Gospels, that compares John the Baptist to Elijah. Mm. Um, that says he has like like a ministry like Elijah's or something. Mm. A fresh-ass uh, beard like Elijah's? I don't know. We'll we'll be able to judge it when we get into the Gospels, I and guess. I'm excited to. Yeah. So that pretty much wraps it for the book of Malachi. Anything special you want to say, or should we take a break? I don't know. It's like, it, this is like a turning point. It's like Malachi. It's like the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. It's like done. I tell you what we should do, though. Second what? half, we'll come back, and we're going to run the series, baby. The series? We're going to do the top 12 minor prophets in the book. But there's only... 12 minor prophets. We're going to give our top 12 minor prophets. Okay. <laughs> that sound good? Why not? We're doing it regardless of what you say. Okay. Okay. We'll see you in a minute. All right. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico. And I'm Lauren. And as promised, we are going to count down your top 12 minor prophets of the Bible. Top 12 minor prophets. Now let's talk a little bit about the methodology before we get started. All right. Um, We used a very scientific methodology Mm -hmm. to rank these minor prophets. I would consider it scientific because it involves math. What math did it involve, Well, for example, I did a list. 
and you did a list, mm-hmm. and then we added them together. Yeah, and then we divided them by two. That's right. We to added get the average. Mm-hmm. We didn't do any addition or division. We just like talked about it. Well, we add. Well, it's like an additive process of uh, thoughts coming together, alpha waves combining to become mm, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. a higher order. Yeah, thought process. Totally. Anyway, we want to bring you your top twelve minor profits, starting with number twelve. The number 12 minor prophet is the Book of Hosea. A strong showing in terms of imagery, however, lost a lot of points on the blatant misogyny because it uses marrying a prostitute as a metaphor for God being jealous of people cheating on him with other gods. That's gotta hurt. (laughs) That's god to hurt. (laughs) Moving right along, we are up to number 11. Number 11. Your 11th minor prophet of the Bible is Zephaniah. While it had a strong early showing based on its cool name and awesome first starting letter, we unfortunately realized the book has almost nothing in it <laughs> and so was relegated to the bottom tier of the list. And it made me like freak out and want to quit the podcast and hate the Bible. Moving right along to number 10. Number 10. The number 10 minor prophet is Obadiah. Sure. I grant you, it doesn't have a lot of content, but you can read it out loud in like one minute. And we did so on this podcast. We read the entire book of Obadiah out loud. That was enjoyable, but for my religion, no thanks. (laughs) It sounds like more like a bad religion. (laughs) Delightful. All the way up to number nine now, we're climbing the charts with amazing speed. You're number nine. This one is Nahum. While at first it seems pointless and short, it's also extremely violent. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's uh, there's not a whole lot else to say about it. I guess it's it's uh, it's kind of like Thomas Hobbes' uh, philosophy about what life is. It's nasty, brutish, and short. On that note, let's move up to number eight. Eighth best minor prophet in the Bible is Micah. Micah really is the best of the terrible minor prophets. (laughs) It's not that bad, but it's certainly not good. And I don't even remember recording the episode when I opened up the Bible and saw the book of Micah. I was like, really? Did we do a book of Micah? Lauren, I barely remember it myself. (laughs) Let's move on, shall we? We're already all the way up to lucky number seven. Number seven. Your number seven top 12 minor prophets of the Bible (laughs) is our boy Malachi. 
He may not have the best poetry, and he may have not very much to say, but I have to say, that book was not that offensive. That's true. There was no uh, degradation of sex workers as a metaphor in the book of Malachi. Plus, he promised to put intestines on people's faces. (laughs) I'm not sure that's uh, not offensive, but... Your number six. Your number six prophet of the 12 minor prophets of the Bible <laughs> is Amos. That's right. Famous Amos, the cookie man, dot com. <laughs> a simple country lawyer. He had a lot to tell the urban elites about God's word. And his message resonates today. Of course, it does not. Um, <laughs> we're all the way up to number five. We are racing up the charts here. Your number five. Number five. Number five minor prophet of the Bible is Mr. Hug Guy himself, Haggai. Haggai! Why has he ascended to such a lofty position in the charts, you may ask? And I will answer you. It's because we were given something different to complain about. That's right. Haggai really did a great job of giving us the same tired, abusive rhetoric, but about not building a temple rather than worshiping idols. I gotta say, that's the foundation of my enjoyment of the book of Haggai. (laughs) Let's go to number four. Here comes number four. The fourth of the 12 minor prophets is the book of Joel. Was the theology good? I don't know. Was the rhetoric good? I don't remember. But there was a lot of good poetry about locusts, and that will stay with me until the day I die. That man knows a grasshopper. When he sees one. Four legs, according to the Torah. (laughs) We've cracked the top three. Like I like to crack a cold beer in the morning. And I like to crack a LaCroix boy. (laughs) We'll just ignore what I said and move on to the fact that we're at number three. Number three. Our number three top minor prophet of the Bible. It's gotta be that man, Habakkuk. Why is that, baby? Well... This young man, Habakkuk, he's got a lot of interesting ideas. He asks questions, sometimes the uncomfortable ones that need to be asked. Oh, my. Especially of people in power, like the man upstairs. Does he have a cock? Does he have a cuck? You'll have to read the book to find out. Climbing on up to number two. We're in the top two books of the minor prophets of the Bible right now. It's getting... Juicy. It's getting hot and heavy. Here's number two. two. Your number two prophet of the minor prophets of the Bible is Zechariah. Gotta hand it to Zechariah. Great length. 14 whole chapters. Actual content. Who would have thought we'd find that in the Minor Prophets? 
I didn't. Plus, he saw some crazy shit. He sure did. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. Your number one. Drum roll, please. Number one, minor prophet of the Bible. It's Jonah! Jonah! Guess what? He wins because this the book only with story. This one had an actual story. Talk straight through. Make you feel stuff. Interesting plot points and character development. Mm-hmm. Him have a mission, take him from place to place, mm-hmm. uh, reject the journey. He a whiny baby. <laughs> a whiny baby. Uh, possibly doesn't learn a lesson. Uh, interrupted ending. Look, Jonah's great stuff. And remember uh, our guest, Tespi Hurwies, told us that he's the same way in Islam as well. Yeah, also a whiny baby. He's a, also a little whiny bee. <laughs> Good for Jonah. And that's your number one minor prophet of the Bible. But we still have to rate the book of Malachi... It seems irresponsible Even that we made the whole just, list without yeah. rating the book properly. But trust me, we will take this up with the people that made this mistake. Yeah. And they are done. They're okay? fired. They're they're fired. Mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. No one is responsible except the people who are getting fired. <laughs> How would you rate this book? I will give this book I think like 17 out of 35 awful on your faces. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll tell you why. I like this sort of plain speaking God, mm-hmm. you know, who's just like breaking it down. There's no mystic metaphor here. There's no. Women in baskets. No, there's no no obfuscation. No men in myrtle trees. This man, he tell him what he want. Mm-hmm. Uh, very specific things want? like. Give me money and, <laughs> uh, you know. Do the good sacrifice. Do the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, downside, I would really prefer it if he had any sort of poetry or, <laughs> or subtlety to what he was saying. So your rating is like, I like that he had no poetry, but I would really prefer if he had some poetry. Well, I gave it nearly 50 percent you're right you're right i can't argue with that so i'm i'm split right down the middle just like this book is i i gotta give it a similar rating um i think i'm gonna give it eight out of 16 uh crippled injured and diseased animals (laughs) okay um for much the same reason it's like you know whatever it's (laughs) like there's stuff in it (laughs) technically there is stuff it's technically a bible book Mm -hmm. and uh I don't know. It's kind of weird that Elijah was in there. That was kind of cool. That's true. I mean, I think it, I mean, there's some interesting stuff in these in this slim volume. Mm-hmm. Not really, though, compared to like everything else. So it's like whatever. I give this a resounding. It's like whatever. Mm-hmm. Heard and understood. Thank you for validating me, baby. Anytime. Now we got to validate some listeners please don't just say that our purpose in life is to validate our listeners but it is so in a certain way our listener steve wrote in and asked who could have guessed that two lay people describing the god book all caps not all caps 
To an atheist would cause him to look at it in a new light. Because while I still don't see it, this is him speaking, as divinely inspired, it's, it's also actually... also speaking, because we know, also don't see it as divinely inspired. It's actually pretty cool to think about the mundane inspirations. Agreed. Enough glad-handing. Agreed. <laughs> I need your help cursing this cat. His name is Charlie. He's 25 pounds. And the picture includes a Lego Batman for scale. It does. It's real small. Primary reason for it's cursing. a large cat. He recently pooped not more than three feet away from a freshly changed, untouched pair of litter boxes. This is a bad cat. Bad cat. Uh, our listener Scott wrote in um, and said it is... So nice to have a podcast that can talk about and have fun with spirituality from an atheist perspective without getting into a fedora territory. I tip my hat to you, sir. <laughs> Milady. <laughs> um, Scott is a former Southern Baptist, which is a uh, formidable faith tradition, shall we say. Mm -hmm. um, and he also uh, wrote some very nice words about the Jubilees episode um, <laughs> when I cried <laughs> which i'm definitely not gonna do right now reading his letter uh because he says you know uh my grandfather's nearing his 90th birthday my grandpa's 90th birthday is in like one month um and it's definitely the patriarch of the family he's been talking frankly about how his time's coming and tries to spend as much time with me and my little kids as he can i'm get i was getting choked up when lauren was getting choked up describing abraham's death since I have two little boys that love their great-grandfather, and I have fond memories of cuddling up with him to watch shows or read. Um, definitely not going to tear up right now. Thank you for your letter, Scott. Thank you, Scott, for your letter. Morgan and Joey wrote, We have a black cat named Louie and an Entelbuker. Entelbuker? I have no idea. Is that approved? It's not an AKC-recognized breed. Yeah, fair enough. An Entelbuker mountain dog named Diefenbacher. Perhaps are, Stephen Baker. Nah, it's Stephen Bacher. I agree. That are in desperate need of a curse and a blessing, respectively. As you can see, and we did, <laughs> Louis is a foul presence that deserves nothing but misfortune for the terrible crimes of refusing to cover her poops and vomiting as a protest method. Diefenbacher has nothing but love for all things and must be rewarded for his great power to resist nachos, as seen in the attached video, which we did see. Oh, my God. He's like he's like scared of the nachos. He's so obedient that he's scared of the nachos. Mm -hmm. But in a good way. Yes. <laughs> if ever a beast deserved a blessing, it is he. And you know what? We agree. Morgan and Joey, thank you for your letter. And great use of the subjective instead of the objective case. Our Nerd. listener Blake wrote in, uh, to tell us that he saw a CrossFit place when he briefly lived in Texas that was called CrossFit for the Lord. Then under that, it said, because the Lord was fit for the cross. We also lived in Texas for three years. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to go back and start CrucifIt. I mean, I've already let our lawyers know that there may be possible infringements in, pos in process. <laughs> okay. I didn't know we had... Uh, any lawyer, let alone multiple lawyers, but uh, I'm into it. They do great work. Uh, Blake also sent us uh, his dog, Copper, <laughs> and his noisy boys, Darth Sidious, Sid for short, um, the one-eyed black cat, and Dante. Um, Copper is dog, and he's doing a very proud pose, but Blake says he is actually a giant doof, which is, it's obvious from the proud pose that he's a giant doof very in the believable. best way. Our listener Tom wrote, 
I was raised Catholic, and once in our catechism classes, the teacher was trying to explain to us that Jews and Muslims don't believe in Jesus as a Savior, while simultaneously drilling home the point that everything we were learning about Jesus was literally true, causing us inquisitive students to pepper the teacher with questions about historical accuracy. This resulted in the teacher explaining that in some other religions, it's acknowledged that Jesus existed, but he was considered a radical prophet, in scare quotes. Being preteens in the 90s, we of course thought that this meant that these religions considered Jesus to be extremely rad. Hell yeah! And wondered why they wouldn't follow such a cool and awesome teachings. <laughs> and he said that now listening to your show, I think I finally know the truth about rad prophets who are down to skateboard with apes and scorpion crabs. I really don't think it's an ape. I think it's a monkey and its tail is just uh, like hidden Completely behind obscured behind its body? Yeah, it's just what behind are the its odds? body. What are the odds? It's just behind its body. You monster. Our listener Mary wrote uh, and sent us a picture of two cats, a black and white cat named Sagan, who gets into everything and takes the food out of our pantry, opens it, and spreads it all throughout the house. That sounds like a dog. Uh, and I'm pretty sure she knows the fucking difference between a dog and a cat. I know. I'm just you like... You think you're cracking the case I and just like, like, hey, your cat is actually a dog. I just like momentarily questioned our like cursing and blessing system because I was the like... monkey ape thing got me really mad. <laughs> Look, baby, I know that you're hype about the difference between monkeys and apes. Don't ever say that again. But nobody else cares. And the truth is that dogs sometimes spread food throughout the house. In fact, they sometimes spread trash throughout the house. But they do it with love, and so they still deserve blessings. Anyway, Mary's second cat is named Kepler, and he does all the stupid things Sagan does after watching him do it. Thank you for your letter, Mary. We appreciate your plight as the owner of two cats. We're not the owner of two cats. You are. We own no, zero no, I cats. I appreciate your plight from afar. The best way a plight can be appreciated. <laughs> Our listener Dave wrote in. He's a uh, a Catholic, born and raised in Ireland, um, who was devout as hell, poor phrasing, question mark, for two decades um, and has been agnostic for a number of years now and is the only non-believer in his family. Um, he had some very kind things to say about... Me and uh, <laughs> oh, surprise, how surprise awesome that you I am. To no, um, about you know leaving religion and how that's resonated with him. And uh, he does say that his primary reason for writing this is, of course, to seek biblical intervention for my unruly heifer, twelve or T two, twelve or T two. Let's all wrap our brains around that one, everybody. Uh, and she is quote our spoiled bovine princess that will happily utilize. Silly two legs is as personal scratching posts. And uh, he also says, at this stage, I'm hoping you figured out I'm a farmer here in Ireland, and I, too, listen to the podcast as I tend to the stock. This rules super hard. I can't believe that we have at least two farmers who listen to our podcast while farming. That is, like, the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tremendous honor. It makes sense when you think about farming. Like, I've never farmed. I've never mm -hmm. even, like, gardened. I've never done any uh, manual labor whatsoever. No, you've never done a, work, a day of life. Uh, you've I'm, never done a day of life in your work. I've never done a day of life in my work. But it makes sense that, like, farming, the modern farmer must require a podcast. The modern farmer? Yeah. The modern farmer sounds like it a It is name a truth a... universally acknowledged <laughs> that the modern farmer must require a podcast. Anyway, uh, 12 or T2 is nuisance, and we love her big, curious, and fluffy self very much. Um, he sent us a picture. He sent us two pictures of, of this cow. She has a cute little spotted nose, and 
I thought that cows would be like blessing animals because I thought mm-hmm. they'd be like very sweet and doofy. Um, and it seems like she is, but she's also very apparently mischievous and unruly and spoiled. So I'm going to curse this cow in addition to the cats. Okay. So here's my curse. Charlie, Louise, Sid, Dante, Sagan, Kepler, and 12 or T2. If you will not listen, if you will not lay it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse on you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and I will put you out of my presence. Mm -hmm. Take that. Take that. Take that. Take that. In counterpoint, Uh I must bless some dogs. Two dogs. Diefenbacher and Copper. To Diefenbacher and Copper, I say, but for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Hmm, Like calves from the stall, except now we know the calves gotta get cursed. Sometimes they do. Sometimes calves need curses. And that will do it for Sunday School Dropouts today. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at SunSchoolDrop. Same deal on Facebook. If you want to follow Lauren on Twitter, she's at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille spells it. Big thank you to Elise Carlton for our logo and our art. And big thank you to Nico for our music, sound engineering, and editing, and like everything. You're welcome, my dear. Being a good boyfriend. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, If you want to help other people find the show, rate and review us on iTunes or tell the cool people that you know, hey, check this show out. It's got fun people on it. Make them laugh. That are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) We talk bullshit. Also, got it going on. We would super appreciate it, um, especially because we're at 52 iTunes reviews. And if we get to 100, Nika will have to join Twitter contractually obligated to do so. Mm -hmm. I've been obligated contractually. And it was... As good as it sounds. (laughs) Anyway, that's it for Sunday School Dropouts this week. We'll be back next week with some fresh-ass apocrypha. Uh, We're not quite ready to move on yet. We love that Old Testament too much. But until then, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we will see you on Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye.
Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Thank you.